Catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. This is Gloria's Greed, and today on World Cerebral Palsy Day, we celebrate with the topic providing help for cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy is an unwelcome global phenomenon, and World Cerebral Palsy Day, which occurs annually on October 6, reminds us that there are over 17 million people impacted by this disorder. Cerebral palsy, further known as CP, is one of the most common physical disabilities affecting the most vulnerable among us, that's children. Recent population-based studies from around the world report prevalence estimates of CP ranging from 1 to nearly 4 per 1,000 live births or per 1,000 children. Over 30 million people around the globe are connected to someone with cerebral palsy, whether it be a parent, child, brother, sister, friend, aunt, uncle, and so many more. World Cerebral Palsy Day aims to celebrate the lives of those who are affected by cerebral palsy, create powerful voices for them, become a catalyst for solutions and social change, and create tangible actions and outcomes that will help improve their lives for the better. Cerebral palsy is the most common cause of physical disability in children worldwide. However, little is reported on this condition in the African context. Prevention is difficult since we know little about its etiology in African countries and efforts to help those affected are rampant by a lack of resources. But individuals and organizations are rising to the challenge. Joining me to discuss how we can provide care for those living with cerebral palsy is a consultant pediatrician and neonatologist at the Massey Street Children's Hospital in Lagos, Nigeria. It currently heads the inborn neonatal unit at Lagos Island Maternity Hospital. Is a fellow of the National Postgraduate Medical College of Nigeria, a pediatrician with several years of experience in both the public and private health sector in Lagos. Let's welcome Dr. Adegbajo Odedino. Hello, doctor. Good afternoon, Gloria. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Absolutely, doctor. We're always honored to have you every time. Um, Cerebral palsy. Uh, most times it's often caused by brain damage that happens before or during a baby's birth or during the first three to five years of a child's life. Now, doctor, why does cerebral palsy affect children, not adults? Thank you very much. Um, cerebral palsy, by definition, is a term described as a motor or postural abnormality which affects the developing brain. The insult that affects that developing brain is non-progressive. And we know that it is only in children that the brain is developing. In adults, the brain has already developed. So that is why cerebral palsy does not affect adults and rather it affects children. So the closest you probably get to cerebral palsy in adults will be Patients that have had cerebrovascular accidents, also known as stroke, or adults that have autonomic dysfunction or motor dysfunction or neuronal disorders, but that's not the subject for today. If we are focusing plainly on um, cerebral palsy, it's clear it's a function of um, disturbance of motor and posterior abnormalities, which occurs as a result of a non-progressive insult, a developing brain. 
All right, Dr. Bacho, is cerebral palsy the same as autism? Um, well, I will agree that there are some similarities, but there are very clear distinctions. Autism is a form of uh, behavioral disorder, and it is a wide spectrum. Whereas for uh, cerebral palsy, the major issue there is the movement, the difficulty in movement, and the upright um, nature that uh, individuals should attain. Children that have autism, yes, maybe sometimes they have some disorders of motor, but it is not very common. You find an autistic child, if an autistic child were to sit down with other children without interacting, you cannot differentiate which child has autism. Whereas if it's for cerebral palsy, you might even find that the child cannot even sit at all. The child might be six years old, seven years old, the child may not be able to control the neck because of the insults that have been suffered by the child, probably inside the mother's womb or at delivery or immediately after delivery. Although some of these um, insults may occur later in infancy, probably between one year to five years, which is the age which the brain grows. So there's a clear distinction between the two. All right, then. Now, the cause of cerebral palsy isn't always known. I read it online. So, Doctor, why is that? And what then can lead to cerebral palsy in a child? Uh, thank you very much. I was excited when you sent me this topic mm. because it's something I'm very, very passionate about mm. as a neonatologist. Yes, most of the time we don't know what the causes of cerebral palsy is, but believe me, most of the time we do. And we can break down the causes of cerebral palsy into three segments, which I mentioned earlier. While the baby is inside the mother's womb, which you call the trapatum, events that occur at labor and after the child has been born. Now, as expected, when the baby is inside the mother's womb, and especially mothers that don't go for antenatal classes, um, we use the term, the pregnancy is not booked. The pregnancy is not properly monitored. So we don't know when things start to go wrong. The mother can have uh, infections, the mother could develop uh, gestational diabetes. The mother can also develop pregnancy induced hypertension. All this will affect the baby, the blood flow to the baby, affecting the brain growth. And as this goes on, we will find out that portions or rather some parts of the brain may not develop fully. And the brain is like the master organ of the body, it's the one that controls everything that we do. So when you have mothers that don't register for antenatal in proper institutions, they may be at risk of their children suffering cerebral palsy. Also, when babies are delivered under unsupervised um, care, yes, we have some babies that are delivered and they need active resuscitation. So if a baby is delivered in a center where you don't have healthcare professionals who know how to identify, and treat a child that is struggling to breathe, the steps to take, and when to take it, and when to escalate the baby to take the baby to a neonatal intensive care unit. Lack of oxygen to the brain is one of the major causes 
at delivery, also low blood sugar, and so many other things. So it's always advisable for mothers to register their pregnancy in a proper antenatal center, also to have their babies in the center where the child can be cared for. Here, we have a lot of traditional and religious beliefs where mothers believe that they have to give birth to their children in religious institutions. And some of these places are not um, adequately equipped to cope with um, babies that do not cry immediately after birth. Now, don't confuse that. There are some babies that come out and don't breathe, yet they are uh, fully active. By the time we check their heart rate and the baby's breathing well. But most times we use the crying as a measure to determine whether the child is vigorous or not. Now, later after the child is born, um, we have one of probably one of the commonest things will be jaundice. Jaundice, what it does is when it increases, it stains the brain permanently, causing damage to the center that controls the motor functions. And you now find out that babies that suffer acute bilirubin encephalopathy have difficulty in moving and uh, difficulties with their movement and posture, that is cerebral palsy. Also, as the child deliver, uh, the child grows old, especially in children that probably are not immunized and are exposed to certain things. They may have infections that affect the brain or the covering of the brain meningitis, encephalitis, and the rest, or they will have a panencephalitis. These lesions at times are far-reaching, although the infection is well-managed, but it leaves a lasting and devastating effect on the child. Hmm. That's quite a lot. I imagine the one that really got to me was the part of uh, mothers that have their children at religious places. They believe that the child is going to have a better life or a good life when the child is born in the church or in the mosque or in the shrine or something. That's really an issue that we're still back and yes, forth on. Mm. Mm. Now, Dr. Gwajo, how can yes, one know... <laughs> As a parent, how can you know as a parent that your child has cerebral palsy? Um, what are the traits to look out for that you think that, oh, this child I've given birth to uh, might suffer from this condition? Yeah, one of the commonest things that um, we see is a, develop, is a delay in the developmental milestones. Um, in children, we have certain milestones that we expect most children to achieve by a certain age. The, the first one that is easily noticeable is that we expect by three months, the child should be able to control his or her neck. So you find out that the child at four or five months cannot control the neck, which means the neck is not steady. The neck is bubbling about. And if this is not controlled, it's almost difficult for the child to be able to sit. Now, we have some uh, varying degrees uh, regarding the, the severity of cerebral palsy. Now, we have some children that are able to control the neck, uh, well, fairly okay, maybe slightly delayed, and they may be able to pass away with sitting, but by the time they start crawling, it becomes evident. Most of them probably crawl on their tummy, or you you notice that the crawling is always deviated to a certain side. 
and uh, the side is usually the weaker one where the child has suffered the injury. And like I mentioned earlier, the brain controls all this. So it can be loosely termed as having something like a stroke in children where one side of the child is severely weak and the child crawls in a funny matter. But most times, it's the delay in developmental milestone. The child not controlling the neck, not sitting down as, as well. We expect that the child should sit. The child may even not be able to sit at one year or even three years. And some of these children, you notice um, when the mothers bring them to the hospital, they will tell you, oh, my child, the body is so stiff, is always so strong. And um, some of them also have seizures. So it has um, a, a variety of ways and the things to look out for is um, one of it, the late developmental milestone, the baby's body being very stiff, irregular, inappropriate cries, and then the child can also present with seizures. At this point, doctor, we must focus on the treatment and care for children living with cerebral palsy, because that's the reason we're having this conversation today on World Cerebral Palsy Day, to see how we can provide help for them living around us, our uncles, our aunties, our, ch- our nephews, our nieces, and all of that. Now, is there a cure for it, and how can we provide help for them? It's difficult to say there's a cure, but it can be successfully managed. An example could be a child that is not able to sit down, but with therapy and um, some medication, the child now achieves sitting down and may able to stand. I'm sure um, the parents will be glad with that. But that being said, the, the management of patients with cerebral palsy, it must be individualized. You have to treat each individual separately. And it's a multidisciplinary approach, which involves a large number of people, the neonatologist or pediatrician, the orthopedic surgeon, the physiotherapist, speech therapist, endocrinologist. It involves almost all fields that you can think of in medicine, of course, including the neurologist. And you have the rehabilitation experts we women may be called in. And we also need psychotherapy for the family uh, because it's always a very big task for the parents to have a child that is not sitting where it's not supposed to sit or walking where it's not supposed to walk. And some of the medications that are used for these children are quite expensive. And we all know what the economic situation in the country is presently. That's why you find out that most children that are abandoned, that are foster homes, have cerebral palsy. And of course, the stigma attached to it. Of course, there's the traditional beliefs that whether the mother had done something that she shouldn't have done, or some morality questions and all. So it's a very complex part. But most times, what we focus on is to address the individual problems. What is the child presenting with? Is the child presenting with stiff body or generalized hypertonia, as we, as we say it? So you need to counsel the parents. They need to fully understand what their child is going through. Because once they understand that, then they will be able to give you their cooperation. And uh, we use a group of muscle, uh, sorry, a group of drugs called muscle relaxants. Um, to relax the muscles and of course with um, the physiotherapies they come around. 
some of them may even require surgery to release some of the spastic tendons that we have. So it's, it's vague, it can be managed, uh, but not completely treated. And the prognosis is usually guarded. And uh, of course, those that have seizures, um, seizures in cerebral palsy children, some of them are pretty straightforward. Some you may have to combine two, three, or even go to second or third line and check with electric management um, drugs. And this, these drugs are quite expensive. Hmm. That's a lot to take in. So talking about prevention, so it's the, I think always, every now and then, prevention will always be better than cure. So Dr. Guajo, are there any tips that you can share for pregnant women or intending mothers to look out for so that their child is not exposed to the risk of having cerebral palsy? The first thing would be once you notice that you're pregnant, please go to a hospital and register your pregnancy there. The Lagos State Government has done very well in establishing and equipping a lot of mother and child centers all around the state. There's nowhere that is rural that is in Lagos State. Sorry that I'm focusing on Lagos State because that's where I live. So I need to talk about that. So you have specialist care right to your doorstep with the effective reference system within the Lagos State Government. Let's say you are in some aspects somewhere after a COVID, you can easily get to island maternity where I am in, in no time and receive proper care. And this tentacle spread around. So the important thing is to register for antenatal, go for your antenatal regularly, use your medications. And when it's time to have your baby, for a doctor to tell you that your child will be delivered via surgery, cesarean section, it means he has evaluated the risk of your life and your baby's life and felt that the best way is for a CS. And you find um, people rejecting this in the, with the blood of Jesus and all sorts and they will go somewhere and uh, you know what happens with prolonged labor because with each contraction, blood flow to the baby is cut off. So imagine this going on for two days, three days. The damage is irreparable, and we see it on a regular basis. And this is 2021. This kind of thing should not be happening now. You know, where something that a simple CS should have been noticed and um, should have been given. Also, when the babies are delivered and discharged home, some mothers will see that the child has yellow tint in the eyes, jaundice, but they want to wait for the naming so that they can collect money before coming to the hospital. Unfortunately, by the time they are coming the evening or the naming or the next day, the damage has already been done. Because there's always a fear that once your child has this and you come to the hospital, you'll be admitted. Once you're admitted, you can't do naming, the elaborate way you want to do it, and uh, collect all the money you want to collect. So uh, I'm pleading, once your baby is discharged, the doctor will give an appointment, go back to the hospital and your baby is checked up. You already know your baby's name even before the baby was born. Mm. And whoever is going to give you money will give you money whether or not And of course, for the older children between two, five years and maybe beyond, once the child is not feeling well, please, everything is not malaria. You need to go to the hospital, run some tests, 
something as simple as, oh, my child is having a headache, is vomiting. It could be an early sign for meningitis. And if not properly treated, can lead to cerebral palsy in this child. So we should not be scared to use the hospital. I would encourage people to go to the hospital once there's anything. And there are so many insurance plans around. If you are thinking about the financial implication of it, there are so many health management organizations that one can register with. Hmm. That's a lot. Doctor Bajo, like you've hit the nail on the head. You know, you're talking life, real life experience, things you've been, you've seen. You know, you are a pediatrician and a neonatologist, so you've seen these things firsthand. What the excuses people give you for not coming to the hospital, to bringing their child quickly to the hospital, and at the end of it, they expect you to perform some magic after the damage is done. So the question I have is, a child with cerebral palsy, does that child live with it for the rest of his or her life? Like the damage is irreparable. You can't do anything about it again once the deed is done. Unfortunately, that's true. Nothing can be done once the damage has been done to the brain. When you just limit the extent of the damage, say a child that has um, walking disorders or gait disorders, the child may be in braces, the child may have a motorized um, uh, unit moving the child around, and as they get older, they become dependent on it. So the best thing for cerebral palsy is to prevent it. Mm. It's definitely prevention, there's no cure. All right. It's a way to wrap up a conversation. I mean, prevention is always even better anytime, any day than can. Today on World Cerebral Palsy Day, we've been able to break down uh, what it's about, how a child could be exposed to it, what to do, and how we can help provide uh, enough support for children living with this condition, because it's a lifetime condition, as you heard from him. Uh, I've been speaking with a pediatrician, a consultant pediatrician, and a neonatologist at the Massey Street Children's Hospital in Lagos, and currently heads the inborn neonatal unit at uh, the Lagos Island Maternity Hospital. He has several years of experience in both public and private health sector in Lagos, Nigeria. Dr. Adegba Jodedina has joined me on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with me. Thank you so much for having me. Now, taking care of a child with cerebral palsy can feel overwhelming at times. Not only do kids with this challenge need a lot of attention at home, they also need to go to many medical appointments and therapists. Now, do not be afraid to say yes when someone asks, can I help? Your family and friends really do want to be there for you. And to every child living with cerebral palsy, to every adult living with this condition, we want you to know today on World Cerebral Palsy Day that you are loved, you are valued, and we celebrate you. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.